0: So I've got a message tonight that I hope is going to be uh, encouraging for all of us, for everyone that's here. Uh, and I guess I'm just going to bring it from, um, from what I think is the perspective of a dad. And, uh, and uh, I'm, I'm certainly going to, I guess, uh, uh, I'm going to, it's actually a scripture from the Apostle Paul. Now, we don't know whether this guy was a dad or not. Uh, he was definitely single, single later on, but because he had been in the Jewish Sanhedrin, who they had to be married. We don't know. We don't know what happened there. Quite possibly, you know, his family left because of his faith. We don't know. But it's interesting, when he writes, he writes with an incredible fathering heart. Like he can really reveal what a father's heart looks like. And, uh, and it's not easy being a dad. I mean, you know, we don't get to complain often, but Father's Day, we get, you know, we don't get to, well, we're not meant to get to rest too much, but Father's Day we can, and we can say we do it tough too. But I tell you what, I I think dads are so misunderstood. I know as a father I felt misunderstood. Like, because dads have to do things like bring discipline. Like ground teenagers. Happy days, happy days in the mulhair household. When a teenager got grounded, I tell you, you have to set boundaries, and often that's not understood. But you know, boundaries are necessary, but they're not always appreciated. Have you noticed that they're, they're necessary? They're just not always totally appreciated. Uh, I think too, just telling your kids some of the stuff that is just totally for their good, like hold on to the handlebars. And you risk being accused of being no fun dad. It's like, all I can see is front teeth all over the footpath. And, uh, and it's like, I'm trying to help you here, but it's like, you're no fun dad. Hang on to the handlebars and I'll take that bike off you. It's just part of being a dad. And you know, I think that people sometimes misread God the same way. Yeah, wow. I think they really, really do. Um, and see him as restrictive and, and narrow and and even judgmental, because God's a father too. He's our father. And yet he can be seen that he can be seen, you know, particularly even judgmental. The funny thing is, I believe within every one of us, there is a yearning for judgment. There is a yearning within the human heart. Every time we see something that just isn't right. Every time we see something that's not fair, if you've ever witnessed someone being bullied, if you've ever witnessed someone being taken advantage of, if you've ever witnessed any of those things, there is a cry in your heart for judgment. Uh, we just don't want it to be us. We want to be able to do whatever we do, and we just want everyone else judged. <laughs> that Someone should sort that out, but don't sort me out. That's sort of the way that we are. And, and the fact that we have this yearning, that's why things like revenge movies, dads are so popular I mean who doesn't like to see the bad guys get smacked down I mean in all honesty come on fathers we can admit this in church even in church because it's father's day weekend we love to see the bad guys get it because there is a yearning within us for judgment even though we tend to say we don't like things being judged we actually really really do And I think that's the thing with the average dad, you've actually got to make some calls. The bottom line is that the average father wants what's best for their kids. That was always my heart for my kids. You know, even when they did not understand, even when I couldn't articulate it that well, that was always the heart behind it. I never want to see my kids stuck. I never want to see my kids derailed, whether that's in school uh, and now they're all out of school, whether that's in career or whether it's relationships, the whole heart behind, look, do it right, be safe, be careful, look after yourself, create some boundaries, live within some boundaries. The whole heart of it is that I just don't want to see you hit the wall at some point. And I think that's the same heart. From God, I, I, When I think about my kids, and I think this is the same for all parents, you just want the best possible future you can imagine for them. That's all you want. Even when they're not doing well, or even when they've got had a bit of a checkered season, you never lose that hope that there's better days ahead. There's always better days ahead. And I want them to do really, really well. And, uh, and I'm going to share tonight from this passage that the Apostle Paul, I think he gives really fatherly advice. And this passage comes in a context where Paul has been talking about because of the forgiveness that we find in God. Because we have a father who is forgiving. Some of us might not have experienced that. Uh, I would think about my own life. I don't reckon my kids would think I'm as forgiving as God. Uh, The fact is human fathers are only a reflection of a heavenly father. And Paul says these things in the context of because our father is so good, because our father is so forgiving, he gives this fatherly advice. And I'm going to read from the message paraphrase. And it says, so don't you see that you don't owe this old do-it-yourself life one red cent? There's nothing in it for us, nothing at all. The best thing to do is to give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. I love that passage. I love that passage. You, you don't owe this old, your old way of living, your old way of thinking, the old pattern of things before you actually found forgiveness in, in Jesus. You don't owe that lifestyle anything. And actually God, God just wants you to move on. Bury it if you have to. And then put your hand in God's hand and get on and get into your future. And that's why I think I see the heart of God reflected in this. This is like the father's heart. It's just man, no matter what has gone on in the past, you can break the orbit, you can break the gravitational pull of negative stuff in your life and, and bury the thing and get on so that you can get into a bright and wonderful future that your heavenly father wants you to have. And, and so Paul, you know, when, when you talk Paul, Paul was really well qualified for this. I mean, when Jesus met him, he was the opposite of a good Christian. I mean, he thought killing Christians was a good idea. That's when Paul met Jesus. And yet Jesus brought forgiveness to his life. And if anyone could talk about the need to move on, the need to bury the past and get to the future, it was, it was this guy. And here's the advice he gives. I've broken it down into three simple things I see. The first one is stop investing in your past. He says, you don't owe it one red cent. And it's an amazing thing, but the guilt sometimes pull us back to yesterday. Last week, the things that we're less than proud of. And, and we tend to feel like, almost like, but I just can't forget it. Sometimes that's because people around you won't let you forget it. Sometimes people keep bringing it up. But, but that's the opposite to what Paul is saying. He's saying, you don't owe yesterday anything. You don't owe it one red cent. So stop investing in it. There's nothing in it for us, Paul says, nothing at all. So I think what he's saying is don't let your past shape your future. Don't let it inform your future. You know, when we keep, if you keep fishing up memories about the past and and things that, again, you might be less than proud of or failures, mistakes, whatever it is, if you keep dredging that up, you are actually investing in it some of your most precious resource. Some of your most precious resource is actually time and emotional energy. That's some of the most precious resource we have as as people. You know, the last five minutes, you will never get to live again. You will never live the last five minutes. It is gone. You've spent it. And then Paul is saying, don't waste what is so precious now on what has been when it can bring absolutely no return. It's the same with emotional quotient, but if you think about it, our emotional energy, we sometimes, if you're not careful, you end up investing in what will bring no result and will what will not take you into your future will only lock you into the patterns of the past. I think the devil loves to remind us of the past. You're promiscuous, you're an addict, you're a failure. And yet scripture would say, no, you're a new creation. No, no, forgiveness changes the whole pattern of this. That might have been what you were, but you don't owe the past one red cent. That it, those things may have been true, but they are not true of your future, or they don't have to be true of your future unless you invest in them now. If you go back there in your thinking and your emotional investment, they could well become part of your future. But if you realise you don't owe yesterday anything, then you're actually free to move on. Yeah, you don't have to return to old habits or old ways of thinking. If you think about it, you know, if you've actually come to Jesus, there was a reason you did that. Everyone comes to Jesus because life as it was, you recognised something was lacking. So why would you continue to live there when you know it already doesn't work? Why would you do that? And Paul's just saying, hey, come on, get this in your heart tonight. You don't owe it anything. You're free to move on. You don't owe yesterday anything. Here's the second thing. In verse 13, he says, The best thing to do is give it a decent burial and get on with your new life. I love this determined to bury the fragments. And I say fragments really carefully because I I think for any of us here that have experienced God's forgiveness, you know, a lot of things do go, a lot of things do change, but we're tempted to hang on to maybe what we thought was the best of it. And Paul says, give it a decent burial. This is macabre what I'm about to say. It's, It's unusual. It's quite, you know, macabre, but but I've noticed, like militaries, even civil authorities, when there's been some catastrophic thing, like, like a bomb blast or a plane crash or a whatever, they meticulously go and find all the pieces. I said it would be macabre, but they do. And, and, and actually, it, it's not a hygiene thing any more than it is for any other animal that might be left in the field. It's got nothing to do with that. It's got everything to do with closure. Getting all the pieces and make sure all the pieces go in the ground. Because finally, there's some sense of settlement. There's some sense of, I can move on. I've given this a decent burial and I can actually move on. And sometimes we don't do that in our mind. As I said, we're tempted to hold on to just the best bits. The writer of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, he's describing people in faith in general. And verse 15, he says this. um, He's been talking about all these incredible exploits that people have just trusted God and gone out and changed their world. And then in verse 15, uh, he describes them collectively. They've got the same mentality. And it's this. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they'd come out, wherever God had called them from, they would have had opportunity to return. In other words, the temptation to go back. If you don't give it a decent burial, if you think you owe yesterday some investment, then there is a temptation to go back to what was yesterday. But people of faith are marked by something different. They refuse to call to mind the past. They refuse to call to mind the failures. It's okay to learn from failure. It's okay. We should. If you touch the stove and it burns you, hopefully you've learnt not to touch it again. But you don't invest in it. You don't then become the person who, who you know, is, is known as just the person who touched the stove, unless you keep touching it. And you have a reputation for touching things that burn. People of faith move on. It says, now they desire a better, a heavenly country. They're being called to a higher road. Therefore, God's not ashamed to be called their God. And he's prepared a city for them because people of faith are forward focused. And you know, I'd I'd say in any room this size, some of us are hammered by fragments of the past. You've got people in your life that will not let you forget. You've got situations. You might even have memories that you refuse to let go of and it's actually stopping you becoming all that you could be. There are probably mobile numbers in your phone that you should have deleted long ago. That's one thing that holds people to their past Facebook friends that you should have unfriended that are still there some people's Facebook friends lists might need a good cull now maybe some people that you hang around right now if you're honest you know they're not taking you into their into your future these are not the people that are taking you into the future these are the people that are encouraging you to invest in the past And and you know, that's your choice. That's your free choice. The, The only problem is you won't get into your future that way. You will be doomed to repeat the same mistakes. So don't get stuck in life, is what Paul's saying. Bury that old way of life. Bury that old way of thinking. Don't invest in it. Bury it so that you can move on. And the last thing he says simply is embrace the future. Embrace the future. Don't invest in the past. Bury the past and embrace your future. Verse 14, God's spirit beckons. There are things to do and places to go. I just love the way that that Eugene Patterson says that. Things to do and places to go. It's like following Jesus is actually meant to be an adventure. That's what it sounds like. But the fact is, you've got to participate. Participate. You've got to participate. Sometimes, I don't know, I just see Christians sometimes are like waiting for God to entertain them. So if they listen to a message in church and they're holding up scorecards. Six, four, three. You know what I mean? And it's like, Hang on a sec. God wants you to put your hand in his hand to stop investing in the past, to cut yourself up from that stuff, bury it if you need to and put your hand in his so you can get on with the rest of your life, get into your future and paint something that's bold and brilliant. We've all got that opportunity. So what's God put in your heart? Oh, I don't know what God's put in my heart. You know, Psalm thirty-four, verse seven says, "God will give you the desires of your heart, or grant you the desires of your heart." And um, you know, you can read that a couple of different ways. One way you can read it is that you know that God will fulfil your dreams in in certain ways. Uh, but I actually think the first reading of it is, "God will put desires in your heart. He'll grant you the desires of your heart. He'll put things in you." That line up with his will and purpose for your life, and and it's our pleasure to find that out, to discover that, to spend just a little bit of time with him and find out something about the plan he's got for us, and then we live out of that. Uh, ask yourself the question, what are you gifted at? That's always an indicator. You know, you're not gifted at certain things. And everyone here, you might go, oh, I'm not very gifted at much. And I've been amazed over the years, especially with young people, the people who will say they're not gifted at anything and then you just walk past and you see some doodle they're doing in the back of an exercise book and it's like, that's incredible. No, I'm not really, I don't do anything. It's like they're really gifted. And, And the fact is, your gifting is not an accident. Yeah. Your gifting's not an accident. When it comes to just being good at stuff, that is something that the Heavenly Father puts in every individual person. We are all good at different things. And some of it's really quirky and some of it's really narrowly focused and that's okay. Some of it's really obvious and some of it's really obscure. But if you're good at something, it's a little bit of an indicator of what God could use you for what God could do through you to benefit other people. Have you put your hand up to serve? And if you've been serving, have you put your hand up to lead something? I guess I'm just saying, don't stagnate. This is meant to be an adventure. I love it. We've got places to go and things to do with Jesus. So don't stagnate. Don't allow yourself to just plateau in a comfort zone. So here's some questions for us to... Think about the message tonight. You doing okay? Where do you spend your emotional energy? Your time? On rehearsing the past or dreaming about the future? Where do you spend it? You've got time, you've got emotional energy, you've got an imagination. Where are you spending that time and that energy? Is it on dreaming how things could be or lamenting how things were? Because that's just wasting your life if if you're doing the second. Second question is, what do I need to bury rather than dwell on? Could be like past connections, friendships that aren't taking you into the future, habits, ways of thinking, whatever it is. What do you need to bury so that you can actually get on with your future and begin to think about it. And lastly, am I actively pursuing the future? We can all ask ourselves that question. Am I actively pursuing the future? And what's in my future? Am I just marking time? Am I just lamenting the past, thinking that it's all just going to happen again? Because if you are thinking that way, it's quite likely it will. Am I actively creating new opportunities? Am I cultivating relationships that carry me forward? These are all ways we get into our future. And the fact is, because of forgiveness, because of the fresh start that we've been given, we are able to do this. Because we've been given a fresh start, if you don't have a fresh start in Jesus, well, I guess there's no point. You're not moving on. But the moment you've connected your heart with God and you realise that He loves you in spite of your inadequacies or failures, then all of a sudden it becomes possible. You've now got an option. Maybe the first time you've had an option in your life. I don't have to stay here mourning over what was... All my failures and meditating on that stuff and what the schoolyard bully called me and that's all I am. I don't have to stay there. I've been forgiven. God has turned a fresh page in my book. And now I don't invest in the past. Now I get to bury the past in his love, knowing that it covers me and I can actually begin to think about and dream about move towards my future I can begin to identify what I'm passionate about I can identify what I'm good at and I can actually begin to bring it to bear I can begin to apply it I can begin to do it maybe some of you young people in the youth group need to ask a youth leader what can I do to help out that's just where you start just instead of just turning up to think of yourself turn up to think of your mates and serving others And some of us who've been around a bit longer, it doesn't hurt for us to ask the same question. I was talking to the interns this week, you know, and I said, basically for me, interns is volunteering for me. I don't have to be down here on a Wednesday night, but I am about, you know, every night of the year that I'm in town. On a Wednesday night, I'm investing in the next generation and I'm not paid to do it. It's, It's just my volunteer role. You never stop. You you can never afford to stop giving on some level. So maybe some of us need to ask us ask ourselves that. And I think that I think this is like daddy advice. You know, no matter what experience you had with your earthly daddy, this is actually really quality daddy advice. Some of us have had great dads, some of us we might not even know where our dad is. I don't know. But i tell you what, this is great fatherly advice. This is the heart of a father saying, man, don't, don't put your effort back there. Bury that stuff and get on with your future. You've got a bright and a brilliant life ahead of you. Make the most of it. You only get to pass this way once. As I said, even the last 15 minutes now, I'm sorry I stole it off you. You can never get it back. So make sure you learn the lesson tonight and get on with your future in Jesus' name. I'd love to pray for us. Could we all stand together tonight? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. I thank you for this great room full of people. Uh, So many wonderful people, so diverse, so different, so uniquely gifted and wired and so many different characters and attitudes and personality types and just everything all the different slices all the layers of humanity that's represented here tonight but father we all have this in common we need to be able to move on from past things even the good stuff can hold us back sometimes we need to move into the future sometimes we have got to bury what was in the past so that we can move into the future so I pray help us help us work out what we need to jettison, what, what doesn't need to come on the journey. Help us identify what we do need in our future, what we do need to take on the journey, the, the friends we do need to have that will propel us forward, the relationships we need to make, the opportunities we need to seize that will take us into our future. And I pray for everyone here. Come on, if that's you and, and you really would like to under, have a greater understanding, a clearer understanding, of what God's got for your life, why don't you just put a hand to heaven? So that's me, Lord. I want you to begin showing me more. What's next? What's next? Where am I at on this journey? So, Father, I pray, just speak to people. Speak to people's hearts, wherever they're at on this journey. Because you've always got a plan. You've always got a purpose. You've always got a next step. Help us to identify it and do it, I pray while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed you know tonight i've talked about forgiveness all of this is possible when you when you experience forgiveness really that's when you can really turn a page that's when you really can identify what was the past and what is the future it's it's like god can can put a timeline in your life like a dividing line you know before jesus and after jesus i, I know i look at my life like that at at 21, 21 and at younger, it was all before Jesus. 21 after, it is all because of Jesus. And maybe you've, you've never experienced that love of God, that forgiveness of God. The Bible says that Jesus came and laid down his life to pay a price, to repair a relationship between us and God. And we all know that we've done things we're less than proud of. The Bible calls that sin and it separates us from God. But the good news is that Jesus paid that price so that when we put our faith in him, we can experience forgiveness. It's, it's sort of like the clock of our life can be restarted afresh. And if you're here tonight and, and that hasn't been your experience, but you want it to be, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond very simply tonight. We're going to put a prayer up on the, on the screen very simple prayer of commitment to Jesus we're going to pray it all together in a few minutes but while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed if that's you and you just would say Pastor Chris, I know I need God's forgiveness tonight maybe for the first time ever maybe for the first time in quite a while I just know I need God in my life would you just raise your hand where you are I want to know who I'm praying with tonight awesome, that's great you can put your hands down again, that's wonderful awesome, others, yep, God bless you I saw you over here that's wonderful. Others, I'll just give this another moment. Just people. Yeah. Awesome. Fantastic. That's fantastic, man. Great decision. Great decision. We're going to pray together. Okay. And if I didn't see your hands, that's okay. Cause God did. Even if you didn't get to the point of, of being there, but in your heart, you're at that point, then I want to encourage you to, to like use this prayer as your own, just make it authentic. Think about these words as you say them. And and mean it. And you know what? I think God is going to meet you and you're going to experience God's forgiveness right where you are. So let's pray together. Dear, Dear Jesus, Jesus, I believe, I believe in, in you. you. Thank, thank you, you for forgiving me. me. Come into my life, life and, and I'll follow, I'll follow you. you. Amen. Now let me pray for you. If you responded tonight, Father, I thank you for people who open their heart to you tonight in this place. We thank you for them. We welcome them into, into this group, into this group of friends who are on a journey together we welcome them and father i pray that they would experience your forgiveness in an amazing way as they open their heart to you as they turn over their past to you i pray they'd experience your forgiveness on such a level that they know that they are free to pursue their future they don't need to be held or bound by the past they are free to pursue their future in jesus name amen amen hey why don't we just uh Encourage those people that made that decision.